Okay, we're going to do a little short summer series starting tonight. Uh, new series, and we're going to last, I think, six weeks we got till the end of summer. Uh, is that it? Two more in July and four in August. And that puts us into September. So in September we do everything new. But we're going to start uh, a series that I'm going to call uh, Encounters with God and we're going to look at some of the major encounters that people had with God. There's many encounters of course, the Bible's full of them, but we want to look at some what I think are the main ones where a prophet got to see into heaven uh, or whatever it is. And we have tonight uh, the encounter with God uh, that Moses had and the question the reason why we, we do something like this, why do we want to do it? Well, I'm going to ask you this. Define God. Go ahead. <laughs> well, not easy to define God. There's so much to say. All right, we could go on and on and on. We just did our series in Genesis, right? As God is creator. And that's just an amazing uh, part of God. And uh, so how do we define God? What do we know about it? How do we say, here's who God is to people when he is infinite? Can you describe infinity? I can't. I can't. Can you describe eternal? Well, way back there, right? No, it's further back than that. <laughs> you can't describe eternity. You can't describe infinity. And you're going to talk about God. Those are terms that come up. Uh, there's the three O's, right? God is omnipresent. How is God everywhere all the time? I don't know. I can't explain that. All right? And that's the big difference between, well, one of the major differences between God and Satan. You say, well, Satan's powerful. Satan's a peanut. He's nothing compared to God. God is omnipresent, everywhere present. And that's an, another indescribable part of God. So, how do we define God? What do we say about God? Well, through the Bible, <clears throat> we have these people who had special encounters with God. Now, there's lots of encounters with God, like I said. Uh, we're not looking at the common ones, although they're very interesting. But I'm looking at the extraordinary ones where it stand out. We say, wow, and we're going to get a chance to look into heaven, see what God is like up there. What's he thinking about? What's God's on it? What's on his mind? And we start tonight with Moses' encounter with God. And uh, uh, if you're going to define God, we're going to have some things that you're going to look at tonight. And you better be shaking in your boots. All right? Scared me to death. If I was there, I'd be scared to death. And uh, people were. And <laughs> they ought to be. All right? And so, is that something you'd say to people about God? He scares me to death. Well, if you know anything about him, as we're about to look at, all right, um, you, that's got to be part. So, obviously, uh, there's no one word that describes God, and there's no simple way to do it. But we want to expand on the, the times that God said, here, get a look at me. See, see who I am. See what I'm doing. And we come to what is really the only major encounter with God on earth. The only one. Now, you all should be shaking your head. No, 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 Eric, that's wrong. Right? You all shit with me? No, 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 okay. Um, of course, the ultimate 
expression of who God is was born in a manger in Bethlehem. That's who God is, all right? We have God coming down to earth, taking a human form, living among the human population, working among the human population. And that's the ultimate expression of who God is. That's why I spend six months a year on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the ultimate expression of who God is, is Jesus coming down to earth. Now, um, before that, and even after that, we have other looks at God, and we're going to start with them. And we remember, number one, Jesus said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. All right? So if you wonder who God is, look at me. Seen me, you've seen God. All right? And so, and then I'm going to throw you a curve and say, uh, Jesus hid himself behind a veil. That's how the Bible puts it. When Jesus was here on earth, he hid behind a veil. And so you're looking at him and you're saying, well, he looks just like anybody else. Looks like any other human. Walks and talks like him and sleeps and eats like any other human. And then he stands up in the boat and says to the wind, stop it. (laughs) You can't do that. All right. And so what's happening is the veil gets pulled back and you see, oh, oh, he's God in there. He just spoke to the wind and the waves. And the veil gets pulled back and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And a guy who's been four days dead comes out of the grave. All right. That's when the veil gets pulled back. And that's who Jesus really is. So the ultimate expression of God is Jesus Christ. And that's actually what it means when we talk about the Trinity. We say he's the father. All right? And then there's the son who is the expression of God. So whenever we see God somewhere doing whatever. All right. Joshua walking around Jericho. He meets the captain of the army's host with a sword. And Joshua says, who are you? I'm a captain of the army. That's Jesus. All right. And Jacob. All right. He says the angels came. He wrestled with them all night. He's wrestling with Jesus. That's who that is. Whenever God is expressed into human people so they can look at him and see him and uh, that's Jesus he's always the expression of God all right and we define the trinity as God the son being the expression of the father all right so got that now you know who God is no you don't know we you know it's hard to grasp and I'm going to we're going to go through read more than we normally would read here tonight because you're going to get some impressions about God tonight, and uh, they ought to make you hair stand on it a little bit. Here we go, Exodus chapter 19. I'm going to start in Exodus chapter 19. As I said, I'm going to read a little more than we usually do, because this story unfolds in a beautiful way. All right, so in Exodus chapter 19... (coughs) I'm starting at the first verse. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they unto the wilderness of Sinai. They were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai, pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mountain. And so they're coming into this desert where it's all flat ground, really flat, sandy ground. And right in the middle of that, there's a big, huge mountain. And I think Louis's been to Mount Sinai, haven't you? Have you been to Mount Sinai? Yeah, he's been to Mount Sinai. It's just a big rock in the middle of nothing. Uh, it's not like the rolling hills we have and they get a little larger and bigger and then you're up. Now, Sinai is on a flat old desert and God stuck a mountain right in it. Now there's more than one mountain there. All right, So we're always not quite sure which one uh, although people say they know. Uh, but there's, it's a flat desert place, and you come up, and there's a, 
there's a big mountain, and that's where they've come. Three months out of slavery, across the Red Sea, and now they've come to Mount Sinai. Verse 3, Moses went up unto God, and God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus thou shalt say to the house of Jacob, Tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, keep my covenant, and you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak to the children of Israel. So Moses goes up onto Mount Sinai, talks to God. God says, you tell them now, if they'll just behave themselves. Do what I ask you to do. I'm going to make you a very special group of people. Now, down to verse number 9. The Lord said to Moses, lo, I come to thee in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever. And Moses told the word to the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Go unto the people, sanctify them today and tomorrow, let them wash their clothes, and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord shall come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. Thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourself, you do not go up to the mount, nor touch the border of it. Whosoever touches the mount shall be surely put to death. So here the message comes down. Three days from now, folks, get your act together. Wash your clothes. Say your prayers. Get yourself ready. God's going to come down on Mount Sinai. you got three days to get ready. Whatever you do, don't touch that mountain. All right? And it, because it's so uh, uh, drastic a, a thing, uh, it's not like, well, I walked up the hill. And no, no. There's the mountain. There it is right there in the sand. All right. So whatever you do, don't touch that mountain. Down to verse number 16. It came to pass in the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mountain, the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that were in the camp trembled. Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount. Mount Sinai was all together on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. The smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace. The whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. All right, so here it is. There are, the, the day has come, and now a fire drops out of heaven and hits the mountain, and it's burning. It's a raging fire, and the smoke is pouring up off the mountain. And not only that, but there's an earthquake. The whole mountain and the whole ground is quivering and shaking. All right, and the message is, touch that, you're dead. So what's your opinion of God now? <laughs> don't, mess, don't mess around. You kidding? This is, this is scary. You have to death. You touch the mountain, you'll die. And the whole ground is shaking. And the mountain is quivering. And there's a raging fire covered the whole mountain. And this billowing black smoke is going up off the mountain. All right, it's a very powerful sign. So there's a lot of power on display. And it's dangerous power. If you aren't careful, it'll kill you. Don't mess around. It'll kill you. And so if you saw that, how would you feel? Hey, look, I, <laughs> I'm not touching that mountain. I'm not going to touch that thing. That is just awesome. And, you know, we talk about smoke nowadays. Right? Everybody's talking about Canadian smoke. Yeah. Can you imagine the smoke off this mountain? What's burning anyway? It's a rock. All right? I don't think anything's burning. 
There's just an intensity in the flames as God comes down on that mountain. It's not that anything's burning. It's just there is such an energy force as God comes down to earth. God is coming in here where he's going to stay up on Mount Sinai. There's going to be an encounter with God. Now chapter 31. It's in this, these chapters that we have the Ten Commandments and we have a whole series of instructions that God gives to Moses from the mount. Moses goes up into the smoke and into the fire. Right? He goes up there, walks up in there, and he's talking with God. Chapter 31, I'm looking at the last verse, 18. And God gave unto Moses when he made an end of the communing with him upon Mount Sinai two tablets of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. So God carves with his own hand into the stone, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not lie. Very serious rules. Hands it to Moses to take him down. That's my hand writing. All right. Pretty awesome. So here we go, verse 32, chapter 32. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us, for as is Moses, man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. So Moses goes up in the mountain and he's here in the smoke. And he's talking with God. And he's getting all sorts of instructions how to build a tabernacle, what to sacrifice, how to get priests ready, all kinds of rules and laws that he's, Moses gets from God. He's up there, and he's up there for 40 days with God. And these people are down at the bottom looking at the fire. And the smoke, and he went up in there. And so they say to Aaron, look, we don't know what happened to him. We don't know what happened to him. And so uh, uh, what are we going to do? Verse 2, And Aaron said unto them, Bring off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters. Bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, that brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. Aaron made a proclamation that tomorrow is a feast day to the Lord. And they rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings, brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Uh, rose up to play, it says. So think about what they just said. All right. God brought him out of Egypt. What happened? Well, the place was covered with lice, the place was covered with flies, the place was covered with frogs, the river turns into blood, there's a darkness so d dark they can't see anything, even anybody in the house can't see each other. Uh, and then the firstborn of, of Egypt, every firstborn person in Egypt, every firstborn animal in Egypt, everyone dies in one night. That's the Passover, and the Jews are set free after 10 plagues that God pours out on Egypt. They go to the Red Sea, and Pharaoh says, go get them, bring them back. When they get to the Red Sea, Moses holds his rod over the Red Sea. It opens up, and they cross the Red Sea on dry land. Pharaoh's army goes in, and they all drown, all right? And now they say, what? They said, what? That golden calf that you just formed with our earrings, that's the God that brought us out. I don't know what to say about that. It's been 40 days, five and a half weeks. Five and a half weeks. 
They've been waiting there. The mountain's still on fire. Smoke is still pouring off. The Moses is still up there. Five and a half weeks and what? Uh, that's not... That's our God, that calf there. He's our God. Verse 8. They turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf, have worshipped it, sacrificed unto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, that brought thee out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wa- wrath may wax hot against them, and may consume them, and make a the great nation. So he says to Moses, look, I can't believe it. Ten plagues, deliverance out of Egypt, all right, cross the Red Sea on dry land. Now every day they're eating bread that they find on the morning in the ground. And when it's dry, they hit a rock and there's a river that comes out of a rock in the middle of the desert. And they've got about a million and a half people. And they're feeding them every day with manna from heaven, water from a rock. And now they say, "Uh, been five and a half weeks. How long were they in slavery? 430 years. Wow. They were slavery. And now in five and a half weeks, <laughs> we got to get another God. Got to get another God. And that seems strange, especially when that mountain's still burning. And that seems strange to you, seems real strange to me. Uh, it's out and out rebellion. So God says to Moses, look, I'll just kill them all. I'll kill the whole clan. And I'll start with you, and we'll start over and make a new nation just with you. All right, so verse 11. Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people which thou brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out, to slay them in the mountains, consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath, repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel thy servants to whom thou swearest by thine own self and said unto them, I will multiply your seed is the stars of the heaven. All this land I have spoken of, I will give to your seed, and they shall inherit forever. And the Lord repented of the evil that he thought to do. Did God change his mind? No. But here's something about God that it's hard for us to grasp. He does have human like feeling. We were made in his image. And we have feelings that make our decisions and help us to guide us in what we do. And we have feelings and so does God. And when he has got the mountain on fire and just led them out of slavery and all the way over there to Mount Sinai and they're worshiping a golden calf down there. How does God feel? I'm sick of you people. I'm sick of it. Uh, have I ever seen that? Yeah, sure. 9-11. 9-11, I was at work when it happened, and uh, I got a call from somebody, I want to get in your church and pray. It wasn't somebody who attended here. They happened to be driving nearby. So I got to get into your church and pray. And so I got a hold of somebody, and they unlocked the church, and people were here who, uh, some I knew, but they just came in. They didn't go to church there. They wanted to pray right now. Let me in. And so we did. The first week, the pews were full. There's a whole bunch of people here from up and down the road, all around. First week after 9-11. Second week, there was less. And then the third week, they were gone. Oh, it's three weeks now. All right. It's three weeks now. So it's over. Crisis is over. We don't care about God. Now we're going back to our regular life. How can people do that? Well, that's just what happened right here. And so the power that God showed, delivering them out of Egypt and all of those things, all that power that he showed. And now there's mountains on fire. Uh, All that power didn't seem to impress them. They got kind of bored with it. 
I think that's a lot of people's problem. They get a little bored with God's power. There's a reason for that. All right. Now Moses is up there saying, look, God, the Egyptians, if you kill them, all the Egyptians will say, well, what good was it to set them free? We'd have killed them for them. <laughs> all right. Or you made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that they would go to the promised land. So, you know, what's going on? Let's see what Moses does. Verse 15. Moses turned went down from the mount, and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. He's got these hand-carved stones with God's writing on it. The tables were written on both their sides. On the one side and on the other were they written. The tables were the work of God, the writing upon the writing of God, graven upon the table. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. And he said, it is not the noise of them that shout for mastery. Neither is the voice of them for cry or being overcome, but the noise of them that sing, I do hear. They're having a party. And it was apparently a party uh, that went way, way too far. All right? And whenever, whenever rebellion against God comes, one of the first signs is sexual immorality. Verse 19. Came to pass as soon as he came nigh to the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing. Moses' anger waxed hot. He cast the tablets out of his hands, break them beneath the mount. So... You've got these stone things that God made. He smashes them. Whew. And he took the calf which they had made, burned it in the fire, ground it to powder, strawed it on the water, made the children of Israel drink of it. <laughs> Everybody said, Moses got bad temper. Moses got a bad temper. He actually ground the golden calf into powder, poured it in their drinking water, and said, drink it. He said, ooh, Moses, you're losing your temper. Look, if it was me, I'd have done worse than that. I'd have found some way to do worse than that. The God who rescued you from slavery, saved your life ten times in a row, crossed over the, the uh, Red Sea, was feeding you every day, and now you say, no, it's a golden calf. No, I, didn't. I don't know what I would have done. I'd be so mad I'd want to strangle them one by one, all million and a half. And so I don't blame Moses for getting angry. All right? He got pretty angry, and they're drinking the water with gold dust in it because he's had it right up to here. All right? So, what's your opinion about God now? You know, what to think about God now? All right? All right, let's go on, chapter 33. Verse 12. Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know what thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I might know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence will go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, or Moses said to God, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. And he says, so God said, I'll take you to the promised land. And he said, look, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go. I want you with us. All right. I know these people, they're a bad bunch. And eventually, of course, they would all die. They were so stiff-necked that they all died. They did all die in the wilderness, all right? But he says, I don't want to go up without you, verse 16, for wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that thou goest with us? 
So shall we be separated, I and I people, from all the people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Okay, I promise to take these people to the promised land. I'll go with you. All right, I won't abandon you. I'll go with you. And that's Moses' argument. He says, I want to go. I want you to go with me. All right? Now, I want you to turn over to chapter 3. We're going to keep our finger here because we're coming back to this. But chapter 3 of Exodus, because I want to compare two things. I want to compare... Moses' first encounter with God at the mountain. All right. Moses out tending sheep. Chapter 3 of Exodus. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro's father-in-law, the priest of the Midian. And he led the flock the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, a bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside, see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. So Moses just had me walking through the desert, and there's a burning bush, and the flames are coming off it, but it's not burning away. It keeps burning. Verse 4, And the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. God called him out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. He said, Here I am. And so here's an accidental. Is it accidental? Of course not. All right. It is on Moses' part. Right. Moses does not go searching for God. He has to be wandering by and there's a burning bush. I got to look at that and go see what it is. And God calls him, verse 5, and he said, Draw not thither, put thy shoes from off thy feet. The place where thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look on God. All right. So, his first encounter, and this is by Sinai, where this happened, by Mount Sinai. There's a burning bush, and God said, hey, Moses, let's talk, but take your shoes off first. And he said, uh, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says he's afraid to look. Now, it's a little bush that's burning, right? It's not a big campfire. Not a great big raging fire. It's a little burning bush, and he's scared of it. All right. So should you be afraid of God? He went up to the mountain. The whole mountain's on fire, flaming with fire and huge clouds of billowing black smoke. And he walked right up in the smoke. The first time he's at Sinai, he is not looking for God. God's looking for him, okay? And so he encounters the burning bush, and he's afraid. I don't, I don't know what to think about God. He's afraid. Now, he's walked up onto Mount Sinai, uh, and he's up there talking to God. Now we go back to chapter 33. And here's the encounter with God. He's been talking to God, taking notes, basically. And God's been telling him <coughs> from chapter 19 to chapter 33. He's been explaining how things are going to be run, so forth, and what the rules are. And now, chapter 33 and verse 18. And he said, that's Moses, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Now, before he was afraid of a little burning bush. Now he's on a raging mountain where the fires are rolling. He doesn't seem to be afraid at all. As a matter of fact, he says to God, I want to see you. I want to see you. I'd like to get a look at you. Will you show me your glory? Now, how do you define glory? 
and he says, show me your glory. What does he want to see? Isn't that the glory of God? The smoke and the fire and the power. Isn't that the glory of God? Sounds like it to me. If you ask me, is that God's glory? I say, oh, yeah. Yes, it is. All right. But is it? Let's see. Verse 19. And he said, or God said to Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. Will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. Will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, thou canst not see my face, for shall no man see me and live. So Moses, I want to look at you. I want to see you. I want to see your glory. And he said, you can't see my face. It would kill you. All right? If God came down here in all of his glory right at this second, what would happen to us? You couldn't take it. You couldn't take it. It'd be overwhelming to us, and we'd faint dead away, maybe just be plain dead. He told them, what? Touch the mountain, you'll be dead. And now Moses saying, I want to see you. Are you sure, Moses? I want to see you. Please let me see you. I want to see your glory, all right? You're up in the smoke and fire. Maybe that's not the glory of God. Is it or isn't it? What did God say his glory was? Verse 19, he said, I make all my goodness pass before you. Make all my goodness pass before you. When God defines his glory, he says, it's all my goodness. Now, verse 21, the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me. Thou shalt stand upon a rock. As you come to pass, while my glory passes by, I will put thee in a cliff of the rock, will cover thee with my hand, <clears throat> will I pass by. And I will take away my hand, thou shalt see my back part, but my face shall not be seen. And so, he says, here's what we'll do. The best I can do and keep you alive, I'm going to, there's a cleft in a rock. Or there's a rock that's cracked open, broken. There's a spot down in there. And I'm going to move you off the rock. You're on, down in that cleft. And I'm going to cover it with my hand. And then I'll go by. And when I'm gone by, then I'll pull my hand away. And you'll just see me as I'm leaving. That you can take. All right? So... That's where we get the whole concept of rock of ages, clep for me. Let me hide myself in thee. It's a great old hymn of the church, one of the great ones. Like the water and thy blood from thy river side which flowed. Or there was a cleft in that rock. Jesus was that rock. And he was cleft or he was wounded. All right, but that concept is here being described, and Moses is down in the cleft of the rock, hiding there, and he's covered by God's hand. Why? Because if he doesn't, he'll see God face to face and die. So what happens? What's it like when God passes by? What does Moses feel? What does Moses see? He says... I will be gracious to who I'll be gracious, show mercy on who I will show mercy. When Moses is in the cleft of the rock, right, he experiences passing by him mercy, waves and waves of mercy. Mercy there was great and grace was free and pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty. He's down in the cleft of the rock and what does he experience that God passes by? The love of God. 
sweeping o'er all the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, flowing as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. He's experiencing the love and the goodness and the mercy and the kindness of God as God protects him, keeps him in the cleft of the rock, protects him, and then draws his hand away and he sees him go. So when God is trying to communicate who he is, what's he want to communicate? Now we're looking at the fire, right? And we're thinking, oh my goodness. All right. And he's carving thou shalt not on rock and handing it to you. He sounds like a pretty stern God. Touch the mountain and die. But when the begging comes, please, I want to see you. It's very different from the first time, right? First time was a burning bush. I'm afraid of that. Now he says, I want to see more. And so as we grow up in God, as we learn to love God for who he is, as we experience God more and more, we're more and more convinced of his love. Until we say what? God is love, John says. He says, if any man loveth not, he doesn't know God. Why? Because God is love. And so God wants to express himself to us as love and mercy. Didn't he show mercy to these people? They're down there worshiping a golden calf after five and a half weeks. Five and a half weeks and they're worshiping a golden calf. And God said, how about if I wipe them out? And Moses steps up. Because why does he want to do it? He wants Moses to be like him. Wants Moses to be like God. It's like he wants you and I to be like him. Why? That we forgive. That we forgive. It's in our hearts to forgive. We want to forgive. We love forgiveness. We're more willing to give it out. That's the way God is. And he wants to draw that out of Moses. He says, Moses, I'll kill him. I'll kill them all and start over with you. Moses says, no, 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 no. Can we forgive? Of course we can. It's what we do. We forgiveness is in our heart always as we know God better. And what else comes? The love of God comes. There's a mercy in us. We want to have mercy on people who may not deserve it. These people sure seem like they didn't deserve it. And so we're going to say, what is God's glory? According to God's definition here, it's his goodness. He uses the general term of goodness to describe all the good things that he does for the human race. And of course, when Jesus comes down to earth, what happens? There's a cross. And he's nailed to the cross. Why? For God so loved the world. That's why he's nailed to the cross and you see him hanging on the cross. Why? It's all mercy. It's all mercy and goodness and kindness and love. And what does he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Sound familiar? And he just say that with Moses, right? Let's forgive them. Let's forget. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. When you go, and Moses said, please, just let me see your glory. I want to see who you are. And he said, that's who I am. And so our impressions of God are bound to be uh, certainly colored by this mountain on fire. All right. By the, the shaking and quivering of it, touch the mountain and die. Wow, God is pretty demanding. God is pretty angry, can get angry, obviously. He's not somebody to fool with. That's true. But if you really get to know God, it's so much love and goodness and kindness and blessing that he wants to give to people. And so 
Jesus comes to reveal God, and what does he do? There's a blind man, I'll heal. There's a leper cast out in society. I'll take away his leprosy, restore him to his family. And he goes from one to the next to the next. Everyone says what? Mercy, love, kindness, kindness, goodness. And so if we're going to understand who God is, it's God's opinion that you really need to understand that he is forgiving, full of love, and full of kindness. That's who God is. And until you really grasp that for yourself, then it's going to be hard for you. Now, look what happens. This is kind of fascinating. Chapter 34. I'm going just a little bit farther. Of Exodus. Verse 29. It came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of the testimony in Moses' hand, and he came down from the mount that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. Now they're afraid of Moses. <laughs> and Moses called unto them, and Aaron, the rulers of the congregation, returned unto him. Moses talked with them. Afterwards, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Till Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went up before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off till he came out. He came out and spake with the children of Israel that he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. Moses put the veil on his face again till he went to speak with him. And so Moses has to wear a veil because <laughs> so I'm not going near him. His face is shining. Anybody else that happened to? <coughs> Jesus, of course, on the Mount of Transfiguration, what happens? He begins to shine. He begins to shine. And they're looking at him, and he's been just like looking at you or me. And he looks at Jesus, and all of a sudden he starts shining. Where did that come from? Remember the veil? covered him, that he wore that veil that covered up God under human form. Well, he's on the Mount of Transfiguring and he starts to shine. And here is Moses who has been talking for five and a half weeks with God, 40 days on the mountain. He comes down and he shines or he reflects God. He's reflecting God. So his face is shining. If you look at him, he's been with God so long, it rubbed off on him. It's supposed to rub off on all of us. Huh? It's supposed to rub off on all of us. That love that he pours into us, he said, it's supposed to come out of you. He said, I'm going to make it that way so that there's a river flowing into you that flows out of you. The shining of God into us is what should come out of us. It should be a recognition. This is the goodness of God, and we see it through the behavior of his people. And so that the desire to forgive, the desire to love, the desire for reconciliation is a very powerful thing in the Christian who's got his act together and knows God. And the more he knows God, the more he wants to know God, the more he wants to know God, the more he knows of the goodness of God until Moses says, I, I want him to experience it all. And he said, I'll let you see my goodness but I'm going to cover you up because you just couldn't take it all in. It would kill you. So I'm going to let you see it. When you get to heaven, you know, we're going to have a lot of these thoughts. You know, what, what's God going to say when he sees me? Is he going to be, 
<laughs> well, if you ignore him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you get serious with God and you talk to him and you know him better, all right, then you'll find this loving, kind, wonderful God. And that's who will be impressed when we get there. His holiness is clear. He's very pure. But he wants us to experience his generosity and his kindness and his love. And Moses was reflecting it back, giving it to those people. And he loved them till they all died. Till they all died. He did not go into the promised land, but God said, uh, I'll go up there with you. And what did he say to Moses? I'll give you rest, is what he promised Moses. He didn't promise Moses to go into the promised land. He said, I'll give you rest. And Moses got so he was resting all the time. You could do that. How do you do that? I trust in God every minute for everything I need. I trust in him. I relax. He's got it. I can trust him. I don't have to struggle. I can rest. You want that? I want that. I want to trust in God so much that nothing bothers me. I know he loves me. He's given himself for me. And those are the great revelation of God where God came down and revealed himself on earth. And that's really the main one, other than Jesus Christ. Understand that's the ultimate, all right? But in the next few that we look at over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking up into heaven. We'll get a peek up into heaven see what's going on there, and we'll be surprised at some of the things that we see as we learn more about God as we go. Thank you.